Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to a podcast from The Pool. If you enjoy this episode, we'd love it if you could rate, review, and subscribe. Thank you. Hi, I'm Viv Groskop, your pool agony aunt. I'm here to tackle your emotional issues and dispense the tough love that your friends are too polite to give. This week's Dear Viv is a public speaking special. As you may know, I've recently released a book on the topic of women and the art of public speaking, How to Own the Room. And here with me today with her own public speaking question is The Pool's Deputy News and Content Editor, Zoe Beattie. Hi, Viv. Um, so my question is, dear Viv, how do I stop holding myself back when it comes to public speaking? Um, as I'm sure you're aware, the Pools recently released a collection of essays called Life Honestly. And for this, I'm chairing a panel of contributors in front of a live audience of pool readers. Um, I've spoken publicly in the past, but to be honest, I spend a lot of the time thinking too much about what I'm going to say next or sort of why anyone would want to hear what I've got to say anyway. Um, I often lose my train of thought mid-sentence and I've, I've actually apologised to audiences in the past because of that. Um, I know that loads of this is just my own social anxiety, but when um, I was young, I was told that if you fail to prepare, you should prepare to fail. I think I've taken this advice a little too far as I fill my head with so much information, simple things become quite convoluted and I get lost. Is there a way of striking a balance between being prepared whilst also allowing space to just be myself? The upcoming panel is a bit different um, to things that I've usually done, as I'll have people to interact with, like you, who is also on the panel. Uh, but how do I ensure that I allow them all time to speak equally, that I don't speak over them, or that I remember to listen to them when I've got so much else going on in my head? Um, I did have quite a lot of bad social anxiety when I was younger, and I'm pretty sure that the aftermath of that has contributed to my need to overcompensate. That and the fact that now social media means that things that I say may end up being a video or um, a quote posted on social media. Um, so if you've got any advice specifically on preparing but not over-preparing so that I can be much more present and even perhaps enjoy this upcoming event that I'm hosting, that would be amazing. Oh, Zoe, you are so gorgeous. <laughs> Stop it. I could feel your anxiety as you were reading that. I, I'm already nervous. I'm nervous just being in this environment. Are you? Why yeah. are you nervous? 
I'm really self-conscious of like what I'm saying, of how I sound. I feel like I change my accent when I start speaking in front of someone or if it's being recorded, which I've done on radio before and I sound atrocious. I don't know where the <laughs> accent comes from. Um, I did it on Women's Hour and I was so um, overwhelmed with nerves that I ended up speaking like I was sort of been to some very posh public school. I was like, hello, Jane Garvey. And all my friends messaged me afterwards <laughs> saying, you've changed. You've changed. Who are you now? You've moved to London. Uh, I just become very, very self-conscious. I think I'm so used to the written word um, that anything that is sort of public um, with using my own voice uh, becomes completely terrifying and how much experience do you already have of these kind of terrifying moments I mean you've I mean this is amazing you've already done woman's hour going up against (laughs) Jane Garvey that is pretty scary and you've styled that out what else have you done um I have right for being so terrified I have done quite a lot because I think at the moment especially being a female journalist I think specifically it sort of comes with the territory um um, for good or for bad. So I've done sort of quite a few different things. I do a lot of speaking at things like universities, delivering lectures and things like that. I recently did um, Cheltenham Literature Festival as well, where I um, did a, a workshop. Um, Is this because of the new pool book, Life Honestly? Is it off the back of that? Or was um, it something else? That, that was? was just kind of independent, um, just as a, a, a digital writer but yeah there's a lot of things that we've been doing um as part of the life honestly book tour um which have kind of been testing me in different ways um and i think especially just you know being part of these events is really important and actually it is really enjoyable and i love watching them um but yeah uh being on the panels is something else entirely i've done women of the world festival as well a couple of times and um I used to work at a different magazine called Stylist and I did Stylist Live. Um, sort of, I mean, that was awful. I had to do, not. I mean, not the actual event, but... I, <laughs> she said quickly. I don't do, I don't know anything about food, if I'm honest. And they put me doing a live sort of sushi making um, event and I... There was this huge tuna fish on the on the on the side of a live audience. I didn't know what I was saying, so I think all of those things have sort of compounded in my mind to sort of you know really sort of like block me off. And I think no, no, I can't do it. Let's go back to this tuna fish. How <laughs> how did that pan out? Did you get any feedback after that? I didn't because it was such a busy event and it was so jam packed that um, it was sort of it was a little bit like sort of Saturday kitchen or something you know like where was this huge fish and everyone was all the chefs were preparing it and then the audience sort of filed in oud and aard and then and then left but um and I, you had like a face ma- mic yeah. on and you're having to narrate yeah. things and introduce people and sort of like annika rice but for kitchens you know like that little the microphone. annika rice of tuna yeah <laughs> You see, I think this is so fascinating, Zoe, because this happens to me quite a lot when I talk to women, and I must say often younger women, who will report that they have terrible nerves and that they're absolutely awful and it's dreadful and everything, the world's going to end. And then I'll ask them, okay, what experience have you had? What have you done? And I always think they're going to say, oh, I haven't really done anything because I'm too terrified. And instead they say, oh, I've hosted this massive event with a tuna (laughs) and I've been on Woman's Hour with Jane Garvey. And it turns out that you've actually already been styling this out. 
And when I said, was there any feedback? Well, there was no negative feedback. Nobody asked for their money back. None of the chefs complained. The tuna didn't complain. There was no... So you're already doing these things. And that's what's really interesting to me. I think we all need to find ways of finding evidence Mm. that things are going better than we think. And if no one's asking for their money back and nobody's sacking you, you're doing all right, girl. (laughs) The thing (laughs) you you. (laughs) need to change is how you feel about it internally. Yeah, I think that's it, isn't it? Like that sort of, it's very easy to look at the rational, uh, the facts. And as a journalist, I like to sort of see things in that way, like separate the facts from one another and balance it out. But I think often it's very difficult to to change that feeling like you said you can see the facts very clearly but what you feel um often becomes sort of quite rigid yeah so there's something very practical we can look at right now and we can do it right now is changing the feeling changing the feeling you're already doing great on this though you're you're totally styling it out you're just not in letting yourself enjoy how good you are (laughs) <laughs> that's all it is so I feel like you're talking about me too much again like I, now I'm like um now I'm getting really nervous that uh, I'm sort of gonna be messing up like the way that you're sort of focusing on me oh that's so interesting <laughs> right but you're not under the spotlight here you're safe and you can't do anything wrong it's Thank all you. good the first thing you can do to change this feeling is adjust your posture okay and I'm noticing when you're sitting your legs are crossed your arms are crossed you're in the most defensive posture imaginable which would be very useful if we were in a plane that was crashing (laughs) but I don't think it's useful for you so I want you to think about opening up right across your shoulders and your chest and feel that expansive can you feel and get your feet on the floor as well really ground your feet so you can often if I'm in a radio situation I feel nervous or even on television as well actually Um, just grounding your feet on the floor and thinking can I actually feel the soles of my feet on the floor that's really useful and just opening up that posture can you already feel the difference in yourself yeah I can actually opening up Because that's a really good way to fool yourself into thinking, oh, actually, I'm quite relaxed. Because your mind might be going crazy and you might have all this anxiety. But if you open up your shoulders and your chest, really push them back, make sure that your hips are nice and spread out and your legs are nicely spread. This is a really treat for any gentleman listeners. (laughs) Um, And make sure your feet are nicely grounded. And just suddenly you feel, oh, yeah, I've got this. And it's just that ease in your body makes you feel better I think it's interesting that you focus on the body um just because as a very tall woman um I'm six foot I often feel cumbersome on a stage in front of people and my natural reaction in front of anyone is to slouch or to make myself slightly smaller and I think we are taught that as sort of women like femininity is like should be kept smaller oh it's so interesting um but I even the Cheltenham event I just did recently I I thought I'm now I'm gonna feel like very self-conscious standing up on a stage and not sort of on a level with people um so I sort of started it off by saying I'm a very large woman so <laughs> I'm gonna sit down and <laughs> And I hope that's all right. And they laughed. And I think that once they laughed and 
I, I felt so much more relaxed because I could then sit down and film more myself. But if if I'm sort of stood up, I feel quite looming. And oh, this is so interesting. It Zoe. makes me more. Well, I think that again. You know, you say, "Oh, I'm rubbish at this, and I don't like it." But you did something absolutely brilliant. You spontaneously decided. I'm going to feel a bit uncomfortable if I'm standing up. I'm going to make everyone feel at ease by showing them, oh, I'm going to sit down now. This is how it's going to be and making a joke of it. I think that's absolutely genius. And I think <laughs> you could do that any time. But what I really like um, in this work that I do with How to Own the Room is to give people options as to different things that they could do. And I would love it if you could go into a situation and think... Mm. I am the 80-foot woman. <laughs> Screw the lot of you. Like, this is me. This yeah. is me at my full height. If you don't like it, yeah. too bad. This is who, how I am. So there could be days when you do walk in and make that joke and let yourself sit down. But there are other days when you think, mm, ain't nobody going to let me feel small today. Yeah, yeah. It's getting into that right headspace, isn't it? Yeah, Absolutely. Let's talk about this panel idea as well, because mm. this is a very specific situation that lots of women face. Increasingly, it's great that you made the point that lots of women are being asked to speak on things nowadays because yeah. women have become fashionable. Let's hope they don't <laughs> become unfashionable. Um, and lots of women having to step up to the plate and do these things despite feeling really uncomfortable about it. Um, I think it's two different disciplines how to appear on the panel as a speaker and another mm. one to host it. And you're going to be hosting, right? Yeah, yeah. So your concerns about these host, this hosting is what? Um, I mean, probably sort of threefold either not having anything to say, not responding, you know, in the right way, not being able to carry the conversation through, uh, waffling or um, saying something horrendously offensive that is something that I don't believe, but that comes in as an intrusive thought or something that, you know, um, I say something that is picked up in the wrong way. Um, I feel responsible for the panel, that it goes well. Um, I feel responsible for making sure that everyone on the panel gets an equal chance to speak um, and for sort of seamlessly weaving through the three different people that are on there that are all very different or have very different things to say. Um, and I think that the, the tough thing is going to be trying to make those sort of conversations knit together nicely. Mm. And going back to what you raised in your letter at the beginning, your previous thought would be, oh, if only I do loads of preparation, then everything will be fine. Yeah. <laughs> because fail to prepare, and you prepare to fail, which is what we were all taught as children. So this is very interesting because your concerns are not concerns that anybody would raise about a normal conversation. So, for example, now I don't think you're worried about waffling or losing your train of thought or saying suddenly saying something highly offensive, which would be hilarious if you suddenly <laughs> did that now. I think you should. But I think we often put too much pressure on ourselves in these situations because all you're there to do is facilitate this event, mm. make it fun for everyone. Like you say, try to give everyone an equal chance don't be unreasonable about that. There might be a gobshite on the panel, like if I'm on it, for example. Yeah, which you are. <laughs> <laughs> so be, don't set yourself unreasonable expectations. You just try your best to give everyone a fair crack. Make sure that the audience feels comfortable. That's it. Yeah. And beyond simple, that... Simple, isn't it? Well, it sounds simple, but <laughs> beyond that, the work of it and the difficulty of it lies in 
your mental preparation, not your physical preparation, as in how much homework have you done, mm. but are you mentally prepared to wing it a bit? And I think it's that kind of preparation that's really hard to do mm. that most of us really struggle with. So I want to say something it's... quite outrageous, Zoe, which is that I would think about going for a massage Ooh. or going swimming or having a facial instead of reading everybody's novel 56 times and writing down a question about what's on page 137. <laughs> it's going to be far more important if you put the groundwork into making yourself feel relaxed and comfortable with yourself as a person. I really wasn't expecting you to say that. Oh, I like it though. Yeah. But it, that is what spontaneity is, is mm. being ready to wing it so that you feel comfortable enough in front of that audience, in front of that panel to lead and shape and guide a conversation mm. as if those people are your friends. Do you want to host it, Viv? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'll have your back. <laughs> I will you. have your back. And I will not do it as well as you would have done it. <laughs> Seriously, you want to do it really well. It's about being relaxed and really, really listening mm. to the people and letting them shape the direction of it. Because often people will notice this now perhaps if I say it if you see a panel that isn't that great yeah. it's often because the interviewer has decided in advance what direction they want to take the conversation in and then people's answers actually contradict that yeah and then they sort of get flustered yeah that's actually happened to me a couple of times um there was a recent thing that I did actually with Channel 4, like a screener with Channel 4. Oh my God, here she goes again, just <gasps> casually. Oh, I just got on Channel 4. <laughs> I wasn't on Channel 4, it was a screener. Okay. It was, yeah, you, it's not it's not as grand as it sounds. and um, But also, like it, it's sort of, I really prepared because I really cared about it and I really, like, you know, love this director. And um, I haven't really done many cultural um, sort of, interviews and stuff because I'm more new. So this was an on-stage interview in front of an audience. An audience, yeah. Mm. Um, it was for the bisexual. and um, But basically, the director, Desiree, just threw me immediately. Because Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Because she um, came onto the stage um, with like the other panelists, um, there was three panelists then as well, and she started introducing herself and everyone else, and then just left me off obviously because she didn't know who I was, um, and it was incredibly embarrassing. And I sort of had this 
intros sort of really prepared that I'd memorised. And as soon as she did that, I couldn't then sort of say what I'd prepared. And I thought, gosh, I'm really like out on a limb here now. And that's what I think is probably where I should have been prepared to wing it, as you say. I was completely thrown. What did you do? Um, I think I just sort of made a joke and said, thanks for doing my job. Um, And I'm Zoe, by the way, um, and I'm here to host. Um, And then I sort of carried on and said, you know, because we'd obviously watched a few episodes, so I was able to just kind of then go, what an amazing uh, episode and sort of pick up where my internal script you know mm. where uh, where I sort of left off from there, but um, it it did throw me in for quite a good section of that. The first half of it, I was, I felt like rosy cheeked and flustered because it hadn't gone as I'd re- I'd lived it in my head all you know all those times when I was preparing the day before. Yes. Um, what was the consequence of that? Did anybody say anything afterwards? Did this woman say anything to you? Uh, or was there no consequence whatsoever and actually you handled it brilliantly? You're so good at twisting this. <laughs> I'm so good at twisting it round to the reality, which is that you're actually very capable and you're the only person who's questioning yourself. Because it sounds as if what you did in that situation was perfectly suitable. Hmm, I hope so. I did. It didn't stop me from beating myself up for a few days, though. Yes, but this is the only difference. This is the thing that you need to remove. None of your outward behaviour and the way you're handling yourself in these situations is wrong. It's mm. all correct. I hadn't thought of it like that before. <laughs> but, yeah, I suppose you're right. Um, it's sort of... The inner dialogue is a very difficult one to sort of... Um, shape isn't it and I I think it's probably spending a bit of time uh, you say finding the positives rather than allowing the negatives to just sort of flow through and um, that's something I haven't actually done after I've done these sorts of events I've just gone thank goodness that's over and um, that was rubbish why did you do that you look like an idiot and but we'll learn from it and move on Um, learn from it and move on is good that was rubbish and you look like an idiot is something that you said yourself as a journalist, you like evidence. Yeah. You've no evidence for that. Yeah. Oh, I feel like I'm back in CBT. <laughs> You're back in what? CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy. Oh. Which is, well, this I love is, and is very good and everyone yes, should do. But, you but know, it is kind of like that. This it's, is all about rewriting the internal script. Yeah, like your core belief about yourself. Absolutely. Mm. And reframing situations and reminding yourself to write down after an event three things that went well. Mm, that is a good Three rule. things that went really well. You know, there was a total disruption to the start of the event and I styled it out. Yeah. I continued the rest of the event as well as I possibly could. No one complained afterwards. I'm setting the bar very low here. I think you can probably <laughs> set it a bit higher. But write down three positives. And God knows, like when I started stand up, yeah. I would have to scrabble to find those positives. And one of them might have been I didn't actually wet myself on stage. <laughs> right. Sometimes you've got to really scrabble to find the positives, but you can find them. And then write down three things you'd improve on. And number one for you should be stop beating myself up so much. Mm. But were you always that confident then or did you have a, a struggle to start off with before I you started out? I always have been a bit of a show-off and I was told off for showing off as a child, which is why I didn't really go into any of this until much later in life. But 
I struggled with huge anxiety and nerves when I first started stand-up because that's a very specific discipline and you're mm. not just worried about your speaking and what you're going to say and whether you're going to remember it. You're worried about whether it's funny. Yeah, and whether the audience will react. Yeah, yeah. so I did learn that the hard way and it's a very masochistic way to learn. But I think I have more sympathy and empathy than a lot of performers do for people who feel mm. that anxiety and, and those nerves because I've felt them and I've had to learn how to mm. manage them. When did it become sort of more manageable or sort of natural for you? Oh, after about 100 failures, <laughs> Zoe. And yeah, well, one of the reasons I did 100 gigs and 100 consecutive nights, which I did seven years ago, yeah. was to knock all of this on the head, like really do or die. And I think what that you're learning great. is that experience is what really fixes this. Mm. Because the more I've been quizzing you through this dear Viv special the more you're coming out with all of this experience you a lot of different kinds of experiences that you're building up and I wonder if you've even been surprising yourself at having taken on these things and done actually quite well at them and now you've almost got a little bit of vertigo of oh my god I might actually be quite good at this oh I wouldn't go that far um I don't think I'm I don't think I ever think that but I do think god I wish I enjoyed this because I think there's part of me that does. I think there's like a little bit of me that's like this is exciting. And if I think back to like how I used to be when I was a teenager and I was quite loud and you know a bit of a show off I think. Um like I think I would have really loved it as uh, that part, that that sort of side of me but I think it sort of got beaten down a bit with like social anxiety and stuff like that and um, you know, depression and, and whatnot, and just sort of having that constant, like, well, my voice isn't worth hearing thing. And it is, I'm sort of trying to beat that out of myself again now, but I really would like to sort of embrace it and enjoy it and get used to it and actually kind of have a bit more confidence about it. I think it would make me more confident in just... I, I do get a bit of a buzz afterwards, and I'm like, oh, you know, that was, like... You know, it was a really interesting thing to do and something that I wouldn't have ever been in this situation normally. So, you know, I'm a waffling. No, <laughs> you're talking beautifully. <laughs> Has there been a situation that you've been in where you have thought, oh, yeah, I do actually feel a little bit confident now? Um, no, yeah, there have been a few. Um, there's, I think... Things where I just really know my stuff, like where I'm doing things like uh, giving a lecture or something like that at a uni or speaking to students that where I'm like 10 years ago, this was me when I was first starting out. I really like doing that stuff because I just feel like they're all just full of that energy that I like really had when I was 21 and went into journalism. Um, and, I, you know, it's I find... I'm very, very lucky that I love my job and I find it endlessly interesting. Like, I don't think there's been a time where I've ever, ever considered that I didn't want to be a, a, a writer or a journalist. And I think that sort of having that and being able to go and talk about it to other people who are, like, wanting to go into it is, like, real a real privilege and it makes me feel, like, warm and fuzzy. And I, And once I start talking about it, I find 
I'm okay. I I do I do think though that I sort of have a bit of a I notice that I'd like to have a response from the audience quite quickly. Otherwise, I'm nervous for longer. Like I think that I'm so so nervous until they laugh or until they clap or something. And then once I'm like, I feel like we've got we've shared something. Then I'm a lot better. Mm. Um, so I always like focus too much on trying to make them laugh to start off with. And then... Well, I don't think that's bad. <laughs> it makes you feel good and it makes them feel good. I think one thing that is incredibly promising about your approach to this is that you may not quite realise it, but you have realised something unconsciously that a lot of people really struggle to realise for a long time. And that is it's not about you. It's about the audience. And you can already feel that in those situations. You identify with them and you want to give them the benefit of your experience and share with them. Yeah. You, you're you giving them the balance of the power. You're not turning up and saying, here's me talking about my stuff, listen. You're already thinking about how are they responding to this? How can, What can I do that's of use to them? Mm. And having that generosity and not making it all about you is so key to enjoying this. Mm, that's good to know. And to making it easier for yourself. And you're already doing that. And if you could find a way to transfer that feeling that you have in those student situations into some of the other situations. Yeah. Because whatever role you're playing, whether you're doing an interview on radio or you're chairing a panel or interviewing a director on stage, you've been asked to do that because somebody selected you because you're the right person. Mm, well, or they've taken a chance and it might be exactly the wrong person is what my head would say. <laughs> no, that is not why. You see, <laughs> the, a good way to turn that around is to think, why would you be so insulting to their choice? Mm. Do you think they're stupid? Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it, actually. I mean, it's very difficult sometimes to hold these feelings because you don't want to become big-headed. I'm not suggesting this would remotely be a problem for you, Zoe. But you don't, if anything, you should become a bit big-headed. But you don't want to become big-headed and thinking, oh, the audience is so lucky because I am leading this interview. And I think sometimes we get afraid that if we enjoy it and if we relax into it and if we think, yeah, I've got this. I'm totally qualified to do this. We worry we might become that person. Mm. But it is extremely unlikely. And I know you now, so if I see <laughs> you, if I see that happening to you, I'm going to let you know, Zoe Beattie. <laughs> let me give you three pieces of advice to take away with you, which hopefully you can use at your next panel. And there are things, there are things that anybody could do. So the first is that posture advice I gave you yep. of... Feet on the floor, shoulders back, chest out. And I always suggest closing your eyes and thinking, breathe through your feet and put your brain in your stomach. What? Do it now. <laughs> so it, it, feet flat on the floor. Yeah. Close your eyes. Breathe through your feet. Breathe through your feet. Put your brain in your stomach. And let your brain drop into your stomach. Feel it drop. That That is quite weird, actually. It's what? It changes how your body feels, doesn't it? Mm. So the other brilliant tip is tapping. Do you know about tapping? I've so, seen people doing yeah, this. Yes, so this is something they would might be teaching CBT as well. This is emotional freedom technique, it's called EFT. If people want to look it up online. You tap a pulse point. So I'm tapping just the side of the wrist. And you take your current state, which could be I feel nervous, and you replace it with what you're going to do. So you say, although I feel nervous, I will perform well. Okay. Although I feel nervous, 
I will perform well. Do you have to keep repeating it? You have to keep repeating it. You don't have to say it out loud, but you just keep repeating it over and over in your head. So although I feel stressed, I've got this. Yeah. So you say, although X, I will X. And the last thing I want to advise to you is to occupy your full height, which I would say of all women, I think generally we're scared of standing up, occupying our full height and taking that space. And sometimes before going on stage or doing anything, even if you're speaking on radio or on a podcast or even in a meeting, if you're going in for a meeting with your boss, go somewhere where you can go and occupy your full height Stick your hands up into the power pose like Usain Bolt crossing the finishing line. This is one of Amy <laughs> Kelly's power poses. Yeah. Or do the Wonder Woman, hands on hips. I do like that one. And remembering to take up space. Yeah. So those three tips are breathe through the feet, brain and stomach. Tapping, although I feel X, I will X. And occupy the space. I'll make sure I do. Go and own the room, Zoe BT! <laughs> Thanks, Viv. Thank you so much. That's all for today. If you have a problem you'd like to submit, please send your email to dearviv at thepoolltd.com or tweet us at thepooluk. Thanks for listening. Join us again soon and sign in to thepool.com where you can get more content specifically made by us for women like you. We hope we see you there. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.